destroying the entire universe. Welcome to Radio Free Demos, an Ixundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from ASAP Hall. Well, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? The wreckage of ASAP Hall. <laughs> Welcome to Radio Free Demos, an Ixundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from... Where are we now? The lobby of the local McMeat. McMeat? Yum. Okay. Welcome to Radio Free Demos, an Ixundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from a post-Demos orbit on Voltaire Station. This week's episode is sponsored by ASR, bringing you holographic imagery of a bright new future since 70 AE. This begins our little arc on ASR, uh, everybody's favorite not-so-mad science corporation. And like our Mars Co. episodes, we are going to start with the origins of ASR and how it functions in the campaign world, move on to life in an ASR town and some characters you might meet there, conspiracy theories and alternate readings, and then some other topic. If you've got any ideas tweet at us or something like that because I'm a little short on what we're going to do that's kind of ASR themed ish. Maybe one of the other hosts has an idea. I don't know. And then we're going to talk about some news articles we found interesting because it's been a while. Robotic love dolls. Robotic death rallies. Okay. Is that a news article or a topic for episode four? Oh, that was a topic. Sorry. Oh, okay. Excellent. Why okay. not both? I, if it is an article, I'm interested. <laughs> um, I, I feel like robot sex dolls have been in the news on and off for quite some decades. True. So I guess we'll get straight into our topic, which is uh, ASR for the next month and a half. This is episode 44 of Radio Free Demos. That's kind of neat. Uh, ASR says, hello world, give me a cookie. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. So I'll go straight into a long rambling list then, I think. Okay? Not the list. No, you don't have don't feel obligated to respond to me or anything like that. It sounds in character. Yeah. So ASR is one of the three big Marsco spin-off corporations. The other two were Pulse and Genotype, and they were launched more or less in the same time period of AE 70 to 100 or so thereabouts. Unlike its sister, brother corporations, ASR was spun off specifically as a, now that's redundant, spin-off corporation. Uh, it was designed to be a, its own franchise and its own standalone thing. It took a little while to get there. Um, this is separate from Mars, uh, from Pulse, which was sort of a division that eventually fledged and became its own thing. So intentionality is part of that story. ASR's mission was originally the creation of technology that will assist the budding population of Mars. A lot of these notes are from the leaked documents from HSD 2.0, which has a much more elaborate history of virtually everything than we experienced in 1.0. I don't actually know how much is going to make it into the final book. Hopefully a lot. Most of it made it into our timeline, so you can check it out there. Relevantly, uh, Pulse's mission statement was something along the lines of creating social structures and entertainment to maintain a livable existence and genotypes was the advancement of medical technology to essentially future-proof vector civilization against disease high goals hmm. so we have almost immediately a sort of question that's like the folk mythology that's part of 1.0 where everything is just a little bit too good to be true and it's maybe what vectors think of vector society or something it evolves in a much darker direction the first book suggests that asr was founded when it created uh, cogs and this is the reason this feels like a folk origin to me is that it implies that they were able to keep cogs out of marsco's vision for however long it took to develop this remarkable technology uh, that just seems unlikely given that marsco is everywhere and mm -hmm. at the time was probably even more everywhere because there wasn't that much where to be yeah so too good to be true i'm sure ashtar agrees Probably there was, you know, 20 years of development time of the COG technology, and there's some suggestion that, I think in, in 1.0, that humanity was very much against the release of COGs because they wanted to have something left of their legacy, and somehow this new technology would make them irrelevant, and they were already pretty irrelevant at the time. 
it seems like there was a slow growth of this new corporation. Marsco was able to see that there was a high likelihood of major turmoil after releasing a new species. Who knows where that would go? We saw how vectors went. It was blood in the streets, that sort of thing. Planets blowing up. We only don't have that many planets left at this point. It's a new category of species, really. Not the only one ASR would develop. But yeah, the chance of there being some sort of chaos after that was, was pretty high. And Marsco plays the long game. It seems like and Marsco historically likes to create subsidiaries to push off blame and devastation, which is a good reason to have a, another corporation. Maybe that's why they stayed out of it. If they saw this as potentially, whether it may have been good, may have been bad, let it be someone else's fault. Yeah, put the entire blame on this new corporation and say that this is the reason this corporation exists. Mm-hmm. That that fits the 1.0, but with kind of a dark color spin that we see a lot later on in the HSD product. I do like dark spins. <laughs> So the 2.0 history says that Marsco was dumping lots of bunnies into bunnies. <laughs> Marsco was lot Marsco was dumping lots of bunnies into its new fledgling corporations, and uh, the big three that spun off from it, Pulse, ASR, Genotype, were really quite flush with cash, and they were going to be the bastions of the new future. And almost immediately, the cogs messed this vision up because they were start. It, it was ASR stepping on Pulse's toes. Pulse was going to be creating some sort of social unification project that's hinted at here and there. But the rise of this new life form kind of threw a monkey wrench in that and they couldn't do anything. And I don't really know what Genotype's feeling on all this was. But Genotype and ASR got together and formed a base on Phobos that was a genetic and technological archive. So they were working together maybe against I don't know, um, but there was a lot of squabbling that ASR almost immediately kicked off that kind of led to some of the rivalries that we still have today. Not so much genotype because they're dead. Hmm. Allegedly. Uh, somewhere in, in one of the various books, I don't know which one it is, uh, possibly the section on cogs in Exodraconus Extended Core, says that uh, one of ASR's goals has always been to merge the two species, cogs and vectors, and it seems pretty likely that's been successful since they're all part of the same extended family with like blood ties and things like that uh, asr is what does that mean to merge them i mean they can already breed i don't know um i there's still some sense that there's rivalries between them maybe a pulse doesn't particularly have an investment in keeping peace between the new species they want all vectors to have some robotic parts from birth uh that seems that seems almost counter to what cogs go for because that reduces the robot parts to just being tools instead Uh of the cog self. Although the vast majority of ASR employees and citizens have um, wireless technology built into them already. So they can do kind of the mind to computer technology that um, cogs can do to a lesser degree. They all have the Utila eye. It's like your driver's license in ASR basically. That's kind of taking the idea literally. Hmm. Vectors and cogs are one extended species at this point. Um, I guess they can they can breed with each other and have families and share communities and all that. So yeah, to to a great degree, that vision is successful. Well, for, but for all that, cogs and vectors share this huge history going back six hundred thirty plus years or so. There are some elements that kind of keep them separate but equal. Like they have a mega corporation that's basically a service center for them. ASR's identity is tied so closely to cogs that in some write-ups and some versions, they're really just a, a support system for, for their species. And that's not universally the case, but it's on some pages the case. And their logo is supposed to represent the COGS... What is, what is Data's brain? Positronic? Yeah, pos- the, the COGS positronic brain thing. Okay. So um, there are some other things like the unique afterlife that COGS experience. That's something that does divide the two species. It's a philosophical difference between them that's that's fairly there. You can't really get away from that fact that cogs have this ongoing existence after death that vectors don't have, and vectors are fundamentally agnostic. So it's a it's a pretty major difference that's by design. So I don't know. Maybe they can never be fully merged as long as ASR kind of favors them as a species. But again, that's more metaphor than anything else, I suspect. Mm. There's a bit of parallel with that going back to the creation of vectors, too. Vectors are intentionally a couple of steps away from human. They're not simply patterned after humans. They they have junk. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'll let you finish your sentence. You've nicely derailed the sentence, but they have other... Apart from humans. 
created as a species a little bit different from humans, not not wanting them to be so close as to be seen as an inferior human, but as to be seen as a species of their own. And you can see a bit of that in cog design as well. Yeah, the the idea of bodies that you can replace every three to five years and uh, kind of totally remake yourself as you go old, get older. Although vectors do that too, to a probably much greater degree. They're very flexible in how they approach their bodies. Let's see, other major... Uh, the color text from 2.0 suggests that ASR has some big popularity swings in its history, um, that they are powerful and influential enough to have some huge ups and downs, probably because they can shape society as much as they can. There's not really a lot of color text to back that up, though, because there's just not a lot of fine detail. Uh, we do have the story of the Grobots, um, which is not an 80s spinoff cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't remember that. Uh, Cog 2.0, also the Cogsunes. The original project was to create a sort of polymer flesh that could grow and, and act like living tissue. Um, and this is ultimately what became the, the Cogsune race. And the, again, the kind of received popular mythology from 1.0 says that the project was launched as COG 2.0 and that created a massive backlash when the CEO of ASR developed it and was immediately fired. Um, this is an, a new artificial life form that could, was better at many things than the COGS would be and the COGS were upset because they were being obsoleted. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, come on, you're a machine, that's going to happen to you. You should kind of get with the program. <laughs> we don't know how true that is and the COGSUNE project that resulted from that has been a source of huge amounts of ASR's technological advancement and weird tech magic. So really good cover-up, really good lie. Uh, who knows? But that's one of the places where they had a, probably a huge popularity dip and the stocks plummeted for a few weeks, if, if that's possible. I don't know. Just exactly the type of large-scale conspiracies and movements that you would expect from a megacorp. It is a creation of a new species galactic spanning type story that's that is kind of what you aspire to when running that level or that tier of a campaign but this one has like the trumpet wah, wah, sound effect at the end too <laughs> so you know it's got a downbeat um seems like it pu- was pulled off perfectly yeah yeah i mean they uh they got what they wanted um, later on in that same century, the 300-ish, uh, ASR develops the thrust drive, which is, I think, the sp- spaceship drive that we still use in Seoul today. Possibly the least creatively named drive ever. They're engineers. Yeah. Lines. They don't have to be creative in their names. Well, they could have used an acronym, they at least. Is, you notice their corporation name is a three-letter acronym? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's true. So nothing changes. Things remain the same. It is the absolute pinnacle of technomagic anywhere in the system in two weeks. <laughs> You're sure it's just not, not named after the founder, Jane Asser? Or, or Bob Thrust. <laughs> Bob Thrust. Uh, it's somehow levitation is involved, or they also develop le- levitation at the same time. I guess we're getting close to some perfect matter-to-energy transmissions uh, sort of thing. Um, so this is the high energy spaceship. The high. So this is the high efficiency spaceships that launch the uh, IRPF force into space, uh, let vectors explore the solar system, and redefine space travel from 300 onwards. This is a high point for them. Uh, I think the Ganymede Megacorp develops at about the same time to take advantage of some technology. Some of this technology. It's another Marsco spinoff. And probably works very closely with ASR for a long time. Also in the 300s, which must be kind of a glory century for ASR, colonization exploration starts on Ganymede. And I don't think this is really in canon, but I've always kind of viewed Ganymede as ASR's like secondary home world because they have their big winter games there every year. And there's a lot of shipwright activity and manufacturing on that funny little ball of ice. It just kind of makes sense that that might be their their uh, homeland now. Okay, sure. In, in my head, it's true. But since then, ASR has been really out of the news. It hasn't had any big moments. There's been a couple of inventions that I think Pulse took it, took credit for, like the teleportation, the messy, messy teleportation. Um, there's like no major bullet points in ASR's history past about 400. 
And even going into the current day, you have the most recent series of activities, which is the um, launch of Lumen. And mm. that's mostly been an antagonistic relationship with Marsco that was set up. ASR is probably very interested in the technology, but they're not really about spaceflight so much at this point. And then there's the the strike that's being built against the spy, the Bloodstone Spire. No, that's Welcome to Night Vale. Um, the Blood Spire? Is that what it's called? The Big Red Spire. Ruby Spire. There is a place where you can infer some ASR-related history. Uh, Sev in Sound and Silence talks about how ASR has been on both sides of the pendulum of pendulum of virtual reality paradise versus augmented reality and assisted living through technology. And right now we're on the technological wizardry technology as a you know support structure and buffer and help get your needs met tool set, but does not replace does not create an escape from reality. Um, that hasn't always been the case, and sometimes they've gone full-on Matrix. And somewhere, I, I don't remember the name of it, but there's a grotto that's basically uh, brain tapes living in something resembling Harmony, although there's a lot of overcrowding involved there. Hmm. So it kind of is something of a failure at this point because people, it's like a roach motel, people go in but they don't come out. Right. And then their bodies are gone anyway, and maybe they're just maybe they're just deleting them and we don't know. So anyway, there there is a, a virtual world that was created and maybe part of their backstory and a valuable object lesson in why you shouldn't do that. Brain tapes. Brain tapes are are really popular now. It's a kind of literal thought crime. It's it's all the rage in ASR cultures and in, in ASR cities. Yeah, Alistair Reynolds had that concept in, in the prefect. One of the stations in the glitter band was just people living in VR. They were only bothering to save the brains because that's the only important part. As a per, the uh, prefect... Uh, the police officer was visiting the station, um, an end table, a biological end table with human limbs holding it up, kind of walked up to him to bring bring him drinks. And his host was appearing through VR saying, oh, yeah, this is made out of my spare parts. I figured I wasn't using them. So pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Alistair Reynolds goes to some very strange places. He does. But I was kind of circling around this earlier. Uh, in the most recent histories we have, that's not a sense, in the, in the history of the next three years, ASR has specifically not joined up with the strike against the Ruby Spire. Uh, that strike is being led by Progenitus and Pulse. So kind of the cheerleader PR branch of Marsco is very keen on this strike, but the organization that's de- that is in part devoted to making sure that weaponry does not proceed at an unusual pace and they control the speed of warfare has bowed out of that one. So I don't know what that means. Um, presumably future supplements will hint at this. We can take a couple of guesses, though. No! Cite sources, sir. (laughs) First off, ASR has not given up on the Kitsune at all. The Kogsune? The Kogsune. ASR has not given up on the Kogsune at all. No. They're very much running them from the shadows and the background and it is paying massive dividends in both technology and well money once that technology gets transferred in i guess it's kind of an open question whether lumen is an asr product ultimately or not because the kogsuni are quite capable of acting on their own no more or less a question than is asr still a marsco product so total open question it's up to the game master (laughs) (laughs) pretty much but at the same time lumen is a spinoff in and of itself. It's somewhat of a dead end works for now, but not forever type concept. Disruptive technology model. Right. And ASR needs to kind of stay on top of that, both on what kind of disruption is going on and guarding their own little area. There's, they're busy at the moment. So. Well, this might be like a big release, like the Kogsune were originally, uh, ASR has prided itself on its control over technology. Marsco is big and slow, and part of the intended consequences of that is they slow down all of society. ASR specifically does that for technology. They are a drag on development, making sure that things come out at the right pace. Hmm. If something big and exciting comes out, they will buy it, and then maybe sell it 20 years down the road, maybe dismantle it for parts, maybe not use it at all. Maybe just sit on it. Um, it's one of their factions is the, like, technological 
pacing organization. I would have written it down in my notes, but that's for next next discussion. Hmm. So is this could be a major break in their controls over technology. Suddenly speed of light technology and miniaturization and all these other fun toys are out of the box forever. Or it could be them working around their own system to get this stuff out and in the public eye. Uh, Unknown. Or there's an option three, but this Steve delves deep into some of the more spoilerific parts. You have been warned. Okay. Do we hold, hold off for next week or dump it now? Oh, we can dump it now. Okay, go for it. So beep, beep, <laughs> beep. Thank you for that. Okay. Do you want to do it again? No. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Okay, so the other part that you're looking at is one of the main reasons that Pulse and Marsco are going is to, I don't know, assault the Ruby Spire or shatter the latticework or generally disrupt the other's things that they have going on. But the other, in a sense, is not necessarily, maybe doesn't care. By by other, do you mean... Hydra, the strange powers that be, or... Hydra specifically in this case. Okay. Uh, the blood lattice work is also very much an impression of blood that Hydra has taken. It's a known entity. That's that's why all this blood work happens. So sending your blood soldiers in is fairly safe. You're, inter- you're not introducing too much new things for the Hydra to get an impression of. So I feel like I should kind of unspool this a little bit. One thing we learn, and this is kind of like quill theory, uh, is that Hydra progresses by metaphor, by example. So if it learns the idea of a planet, then it can kind of extend its influence to other planets. And one great threat is it will learn the idea of solar system and extend its influence throughout the entire galaxy by infecting the idea of solar systems. If it learns a thing, it can extend itself kind of fractally through that thing's idea. It infects by metaphor. So... It already knows living creatures, you're saying, and... Blood specifically. Okay. It knows, an, or it has gotten the impression of blood. It understands blood now, which is why the whispers transmit through blood, through blood work, through well, blood lattice work. You're going somewhere with cogs, aren't you? I am going somewhere with cogs. Interesting. Cogs don't have blood, not as vectors know. <laughs> if you prick me, do I not leap? <laughs> <laughs> so, very specifically, keeping cogs and cogsune away from direct... Um, touch with Hydra or where Hydra can get an impression of them keeps them safe. ASR probably has a very vested interest in keeping their people away from Hydra as much as possible. So the Kagzune's current passion for learning how transcendent technology works is probably going to bite them in the butt somehow. They're insane. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm not going to try and guess them. They're they're insane. This is an NPC race. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's an interesting idea. As long as the um, cogs are kind of separate, that's one one avenue that Hydra is not yet successfully infiltrated. Okay. I, I, my, one of my conspiracy theory ideas is that ASR is possibly the organization that discovered Hydra in the first place, but we'll go into that later on. <laughs> so skipping ahead a little bit from... So skipping from the history to kind of more present day, I'd like to look at the various roles that ASR can take, both in the world of soul worlds, in the soul system, and in your campaign as well. And first off, and most easily, it's uh, a source for magic technology. Um, they are making Mr. Jones any sort of strange artifact that the PCs need to have, um, teleportation, levitation, matter energy conversion, all that good stuff is available in limited quantities. And if you talk to the Kogsune, uh, not so limited quantities. They've got options that we don't have here in vector space. So safe mad science is a good starting place for understanding ASR. They've got bolt-on tails that'll do pretty much anything you want. <laughs> you can stuff a frying pan in tail space there and pull it out for later. It's very anime. No, they have like storage capacity under... Un- and they're a good counterpart to the more magical aspects of... From Otherworld, TTI technology and stuff that is actually just space magic yeah they're research based more or less and that's a good thing and that's kind of one of the things that the Kogsunes fall apart on is that they are metho- meth- meth- Methodists <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for methodical methodical yeah thank you I was adding an extra syllable and I couldn't parse it anymore <laughs> methodological <laughs> Methodists for certain types of campaigns, if you want to have that like dungeon crawl episode, which is kind of fun and relaxing, ASR has 
lots of augmented reality products. They're ready for you. The color text in Sound and Silence shows how they've uh, infected the world with a VR game overlay that changes themes and ideas. Uh, that's a place to have some nice, playful campaigns. Uh, younger characters can have fun there, older characters. So good old-fashioned Dungeons & Dragons type games, you can open that up and play there. Before we go too much into the details, just to take a one more wide-angle look, there is a very large difference between your MacGuffin being technological and your MacGuffin being magical. If you have something that is magical, even if it's space magic or TTI or understood other Cthulhu-based Lovecraftian voodoo, whatever, your, your PCs, your, your players are going to jump from point A to point Z, wherever your magic endpoint is. Because it's magic, they, they're not going to get what's in between it. They're not going to. It's magic. If, you're, if you set these up from more of a technological aspect that encourages more creative thought and investigation from your players, if you want that, on the difference between point A to point B to point C to point D. If it's technological, it has a path, it has a logical progression from the beginning to the end, there's different checkpoints, there's different laboratories, people know about it, or what have you. That It's a it's more of a linear concept than magic. Uh, I, I think I disagree. I, I see where you're going. Magic is magic is magic and is not meant to be fully understood or explored. Um, technology is something that can be taken apart, repurposed, recreated rigorously. It follows defined rules, but hermetic magic and Lovecraftian magic also follow defined rules, and so that's really kind of the flavor that you're choosing to adopt at that point in time. Now, in HSD, it does seem like magic is less predictable and more explodey and based on the results of a 2 die 10 system, but... <laughs> But hermetic magic is, is very rigorous. It's more rigorous than Algebra 1. <laughs> so I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I have to like get on... on I have some semantic issues with it. But, um, but I do understand where you were going. That The magic has this trace of unpredictability you can't really get with technology, which is supposed to be replicable and dissectable. Sorry. No, you're fine. And okay. I don't disagree with you on any of the points that you've made. Okay. But I'm in agreement there. Okay. I will say, though... That when you're sitting around a table and you're not really looking into, say, the, some of the more scholarly parts of the magic system that you're working with, which HSD just does not have. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I, I've been uh, reading Mage the Ascension for the last three weeks. Hmm. No, fully understood. But you're working with, like, a meme-based magic. Oh, no, we're down this road again. We are down this road. And when your magic system is described in hamburgers, you, you just aren't going to get your players to like work out how these things work together it it really becomes it becomes a it becomes more of a suggestion of a suspension of disbelief of okay it just works this way we're gonna go with it now go to the next fight i've got set up for you whereas if you run things through the tech side you might pull them away from the fight a little bit longer to play investigators to trace down that or to chase down that trail to talk to people to maybe run some cyberpunk type heists what have you Okay. Cheeseburgers. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to ask Manimi to insert the entire cheeseburger thing here, but we'll link to the cheeseburgers in the show notes. It's a running joke on the origins of quill theory and transcendent technology in general. Thank you. <laughs> ASR is home to some of the best pilots in Seoul, I'd, su I'd suggest. Uh, I'm sure that Pulse is better for stunt flying, but in the original... 1.0 write-up, ASR was the only corporation besides Marsco, sort of, that natively had pilot as a skill. So that's kind of an interesting little artifact there. They've got a lot of good flyers. Hmm. And Some they of the ASR pilots even turn off the autopilot long enough to uh, touch the controls. <laughs> Press a button here and there. And a lot of them know how to repair their own ships. That's kind of <laughs> useful. That is useful. True. Most of their ships repair themselves, though. So it's kind of a given home for your standard techno characters, repair gadgeteer types. Not so much for hackers. I think that's kind of split between ASR and Spyglass, but still mostly ASR. Um, anyone that's got a strong technological background is going to be coming from this corporation just by default. Not required, but, but a logical choice. Well, while we're talking about the tech characters, it 
It's podcast Ashtar. They can't see your hands. I know they can't see my hands. I'm trying to think of the transitional phrase I was planning to use there that just completely slipped my mind, and I didn't want to replace it with, uh, it's. (laughs) While we're talking about tech characters, you do kind of want to keep most of the ASR characters to have something, something a little bit more to do with technology and computers. It is not just the gather all of, hey, it's a futuristic space character. That's Marsco. So you oh. <laughs> or pulse if it's about how you look in the uniform. <laughs> very true. Um, very true. With ASR, you you have the augmented reality, which brings in a lot of different types of artistic sides as well. True. You, they do whether it's light crafting, sound and water sculptures, or other things like that. There's a lot of creativity that's built into augmented reality, virtual worlds, computers. In a sense, at this point, coding is almost an art form. It's not really just typing ones and zeros anymore. A lot of their big celebrities are game designers. They're huge. They're like government officials. Which brings into, uh, <clears throat> which brings game celebrities into the table. If you're a major AR, VR game celebrity, hmm. ASR is a valid choice, as is Pulse. But with Pulse, you might expect them to be out doing things, whereas ASR might be more of the vlogger, video blogger, <laughs> vlogger that we have today, or the YouTube personalities. More, or more, more cerebral. A little bit more cerebral, a little bit less physical, more reactions, impressions, descriptions, in in with the personality and the game, the personality and whatever they're playing, mm-hmm. where or Pulse, the personality and the athlete are one and the same. It's one persona. Now, my character in our Sunday game, one of his many, many origin elements is that he was a uh, TV host that was exploring Soulnet, uh, looking for obscure corners of the virtual web and unpacking them and bringing them to light. So kind of this intersection of charisma and technology as well. Yeah, if you're having a character that's got a strong technological lens, ASR is a really solid choice. And they're not all just engineers. True. Yeah, your character may have gone to them <laughs> if your character is just a pure artist, but whatever your art is involves lots of technology. Um, like I, I, I can't remember the, the story it's from, but there, there's a character who lived on Mars and their art form was weather symphonies. Hmm. They'd set up the artificial weather gen- generators to set up to, to play out a storm or something like that. Since, since all this stuff was under control, it, it was completely a technological performance. But if you had an art like that, which was dependent on technology, you might go there to, to learn the, the elements of your craft, even if you're not interested in flying things or robotics. Another kind of spin on uh, ASR is uh, Big Brother's Little Brother. Uh, ASR towns are probably more subject to endless scrutiny and hidden cameras and such than Marsco. But ASR is a little bit smaller, a little bit more noble, a little bit more approachable. They actually have a CEO and they have a shadow president. We'll get to that as later on. But it's a small enough organization to where you can kind of imagine it in your head more than you can Marsco. And as an antagonist, it's maybe a touch more personal than Marsco's like faceless solar system dominating expanse. When everybody has a camera in their eye, you are the system. Yeah, like like that. And also the um, the general kind of, oh, you've invented something, let's take it away from you, is also kind of a good man in black sort of riff, too. So they can they can go down that road sure. pretty easily. We're saving you from yourselves. Now look into the light. Or just holding back Skynet one, day, one decade at a time. I, I love the image of a, a little, a, 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 a tiny lateral mouse in a black, black suit. <laughs> Running off with one of the essential pieces of your technology because it's being <laughs> confiscated. It's so cute. ASR can represent an, an escape route. Uh, their control over virtual reality is huge, and it's a dominating element of their society. So if you want a place that is... You kind of, kind of play the, uh, the drug addict story there, but in VR instead of chemical uh, escape... But there are a lot, of places, a lot of plots you can spin out of this that involve escaping from the dystopia into a place that's a lot more hopeful and bright and just as dark as anything else is, really. The dystopia of light. Uh, is that a thing? <laughs> I guess so. Could be. A couple, 
a year or so ago, the role-playing game public network had a three-episode live play of um, Exundraconis, and one of the scenes they had was an elaborate party set purely in virtual space hosted by COGS uh, because they can use their neural processor to communicate with the web, Mm -hmm. with computers. And so they had this very elaborate virtual space that people could interact with. That was a neat idea. I'll link to that episode. Anyway, more 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 places that you can kind of directly plug ASR in as a GM tool. I think it's interesting that we've gone most of this podcast without actually talking about cogs and how they fit in. And part of that is by design. Within ASR, cogs and vectors are pretty much the same. Wherever one wherever job one can do, the other should be able to do equally as well. I suppose this is a slider that you can put in your campaign of how much uh, social inequality, equality you want to add. Is there prejudice on a local level? There's probably some areas that are extremely prejudiced against cogs or cog prejudiced against crazy vectors. It really feels that almost 400 years later, give or take, that there isn't as much within the megacorps. I would expect to see that type of speciesism is something that breeds out of kind of existing in the background. If it's fairly well stamped out of the megacorps, it may not even exist in the shadows within the megacorps, within the grottos, within the back alleys. It might be something that is limited only to blue skies or the stations that are off completely off the networks and really off the beaten path. Major episodes of racism do turn up in Seoul every 200 years or so. I feel like they're kind of modeled after... 2018 earth politics where a small group of people uses a racial difference or a class difference to whip up public frenzy. Uh, you have the uh, cat versus rabbit wars, for instance, uh, the rat versus mouse debacle. These are places where racial differences are stacked up to cover up something or create a conflict to get another political play in place. I'm not sure what the exact words would be. Like the big one would be the cat, the cat versus rabbit thing, where rabbits were set up as an as a weaker foe, so that a feline, a pro feline movement could develop and get some political power going on. Uh, it's not really exactly where you were going, but it is something that happens every two or three hundred years or so in Seoul, and it would be possibly a good element for your campaign. Um, maybe it's one of the reasons why ASR has not been involved in the patriotic movement of the fight against the Ruby Spire. Uh, to protect their little coddled robot people. Well, for their robot people, Earth isn't home and never was. It's true. Yeah. It could be said of cogs. Uh, sorry, of, of vectors too, couldn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very close. It is very, very close. I like the hemming and hawing in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> right channel hem, left channel haw. Also, to touch upon what you're saying about the different cats versus hair, the other ones. None of the vectors have an overarching megacorp that is quite as influential in their species' life as ASR and COG. ASR may have a very vested interest in not having anti-COG bias existing. That's true, and since ASR is pretty ubiquitous, it's up there with Marsco in terms of saturation of the world. Although Marsco is better at steering social trends on a very subtle level. Random question about COGs. So if you're a cat, there's like an ordinary cat vector, there's a certain chance your offspring might be laterals, lateral cats. Mm-hmm. There's a certain even smaller chance your offspring might be rabbits, right? Mm, Very not, small. Not if you go back more than like three generations or so. Okay. You're not going to like randomly manifest... Um, you might randomly manifest a half-breed or something that doesn't exist. Those are within the various mutations, but I don't think a full cross-species jump would happen yeah okay Uh, aside from that one grotto with the the, 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 the primitive one the cows that give birth to vectors yes okay okay Um, that must be what i'm thinking that is a special case very special case (laughs) no vector vectors don't generally manifest species more than like a few generations ago okay so yeah um now kind of analogously vector uh cogs might randomly decide to change their body's type maybe you're kid gets rebellious and decides they want tractor treads 
Sure, like they do. Everybody wants treads at least once in their life, or wheels. Who doesn't go through that phase? Yeah, pretty much everybody adds on wheels at some point in their, like, (laughs) teens, I guess. But, okay, but in terms of, um, yeah, I I was just thinking that, uh, blah. I was wrong about something. Okay. (laughs) Um, I... I'm not really entirely certain how much ASR is defined by COGS and how much COGS... Well, COGS are defined by ASR, but ASR is not necessarily defined by COGS. Their their mission is to create and promote technology, ultimately, and COGS are, I guess, a, an offshoot of that? The shining example of? Sure, we'll, we'll take that. And maybe, I mean, COGS have sort of enhanced the people of Mars by giving them a mirror to look into and see something kind of more positive than vectors, I think, in some ways. I I, I like cogs. They make more sense to me than... Um, one thing I was wondering was the humans were afraid that the cogs would take their legacy away from them, and cogs are somewhat more human than vectors are, so maybe in a sense they did. I don't know. They, they have a more Norman Rockwell family structure than vectors. Vectors tend to be a little bit Hairbrained. <laughs> <coughs> well, and also cogs have different shapes, but their their shape is not as important to them as the fact that they're cogs, right? Millions mm-hmm. of shapes, one mind. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. <laughs> they stick to a body. They, they they build their identity and they stick to it. And they may they may tweak it and evolve it, but I mean a a six a hectopod cog is just just a cog with six legs it's not a different concept of creature and but the the cat cogs and the rabbit cogs don't have any sense of personal involvement in that political struggle i assume i i would not think so i think they're cogs more than anything else okay they just happen to look kind of like this vector that is a cat and it's probably an aesthetic choice more than anything else okay they really try not to do that a lot of the Fake flesh and f- fake fur just didn't really work out too well. Sure, but but in shape they tend to have identifiable. Yeah, they have tails ve- and vector shapes. That they don't look like a pile of just robotic parts. No, it's probably like furry artwork. Everything looks like a wolf. Right, right. <laughs> but they do have tails. They do have pointed ears. As often as not, they tend uh-huh. to have like vector hallmarks and vector shapes pretty regularly. Um, so in that sense, it's another way of just integrating with vector society. And they never look like Erector sets. I'm not going to say never, um, but I don't know where you'd put the little, little glowy. Generally speaking, okay, like in our campaign, we met some that, that did, but but they were a lunatic fringe. Yeah, there was like an artist commune almost. Yeah. Yeah. That really was intended to be more of a... Um, Personal expression. Outside station of broken toys, artist commune, uh-huh. what have you, like the misfits of COGS. Uh, and my mistake there was I didn't set the baseline of, okay, these are cogs, and these are cogs you can work with, get used to them. Oh, now these guys are different. So yeah, it just kind of came across as, oh, these are cogs. Right. We never had cogs in our game. Right. None of the players have that weird robot thing happening. Yeah. I I realized that a bit late to change to, yeah change okay. trajectory there. It's okay. I, I think at that point we had picked up on some of the basic notions of, of who they were. But uh, that was a weird group. <laughs> that was a weird group. I think it made it a little bit harder to kind of identify, oh, maybe the more normal one is actually the weird one we should be investigating. <laughs> <laughs> so since you kind of missed that cue because I didn't actually give it to you properly, uh-huh. I just ripped your bellies out. <laughs> Oops. It's good for learning. <laughs> <laughs> learning with knives. Mm-hmm. So anything else we can say on like history and origins and placing your game for ASR? There's a lot more to talk about, but... The other main purpose that they have is AI hunters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that group. And we're going to talk a little about them next next time, too. But for now, that's part of the breaks on technology idea that ASR has as kind of one of its stool's legs. At a high level... Cogs are an artificial intelligence, but they are very well-defined and they have boundaries and borders and rules about what type you expect and how far they can develop and and so on and so forth. You, you don't plug your cog into a starship. 
Although vectors don't have the same restraints. That's kind of interesting. Vectors can be, I mean, eventually they stop being vectors and become bioprobes, but there is no real upper limit to what a vector can grow into over the course of its career. More human than human. Substantially less human than that. <laughs> and some of the pulse executives turn into like dragon monsters. But uh, cogs seem to stay cog-shaped and sized, more or less. That's some flexibility there, but still. Well, that's that actually was where I was saying, is that cogs are almost more vectors than vectors, because to introduce cogs, to get them to be accepted, they had to have certain assurances and certain boundaries to reassure vectors that the this new cog species wasn't just going to take over everything, wasn't just going to become cogs, but also the houses they live in and the ships they drive in and the entire world that they live on. No, cogs are just cogs. They're limited. They have these frames. They have, if you see this, this is a cog. If you see something that's weird, that's not a cog. And by that, almost by that very definition of defining what a cog is to relate to a vector and bring them into the society, in some ways you limit a cog to being, to having, not being less, but having less options than vectors. Vectors can go and, as you were saying, become dragons and seraphim and what have you, uh, whatever they can imagine and can afford, whereas the vectors are still somewhat controlled from the beginning. Yeah, and how much of that is, like, on a programming level, like a baseline, they do not choose to expand themselves like that because that that's against their commands. We don't really know. You were mentioning earlier the... Uh... The unifying of the races of the cogs and the um, and the vectors. Mm-hmm. And of course, that, that's just making me think again of of a nineteen seventy seven film that I was reading about recently, Demon Seed, by based on a book by Dean Koontz. Have we discussed this like twenty five times now? Maybe, but it's re- visually it's really neat. Um, yeah, basic plot of woman who works for brilliant computer guy, his AI, which. C- controls the entire house, falls in love with his wife, kill- kills him, and decides to impregnate her to have its robot baby. Sort of an evil cog story there. It has a happy ending. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. Well, after your description, I don't think I'd want to see it either. Uh, so from there, I, I don't know if our if everybody brought something to the table, but I'd like to discuss a news article I found particularly cool this week, uh, and one that's very directly uh, game relevant. A recent study of Europa suggests that it's covered in giant twenty five to fifty foot ice spears that make landing on this little planet extremely difficult. Hmm. Planetesimal, planetoid, moon. Although with the low gravity, you, you might just kind of gently, gently bump up against them. Maybe, yeah. You can almost sneeze yourself into escape velocity there. But um, but they're like placed maybe every 20, 25 feet or so. And it would make large crafts extremely difficult to maneuver in this huh. area. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they reached these conclusions, but there was a, a study that was I saw on a few websites recently. And I'll, I'll definitely link to it. But it, it's kind of a exciting piece of local terrain scenery, these giant majestic 25 to 50 foot spires probably raised the, the low gravity, probably makes that more more feasible. Hmm. But TTI scientists didn't really terraform Europa, so if that was there, it's still there. And it wasn't known when, when HST was written, but it's kind of an interesting feature. Hmm. So something I, I was reading about on Ars Technica, there um, they're talking about other forms of water ice that can only form under, yeah, under intense pressure. Ice nine, yeah, ice seven, ice, seven, ice nine, and how one of them, a planet with the right circumstance, that kind of, once it started forming in the ocean, it would create a shock wave that would go hundreds of miles per hour, leaving everything solid in its path, and an entire planet could freeze over within a course of hours from this, if. The very specific circumstances of high pressure, etc. It reminds me of when I made fudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that really struck me is that they found some of these higher forms of ice inside of natural diamonds on Earth. Whoa. Because when the diamonds are being formed, it's deep in the Earth's crust at extreme pressure. And water trapped in this is still, 
the, the, the diamond holds it at very, very high high pressure. So if you break it open, it's going to be like well, 2012 you, all over again? If you, no. If you broke it open, it would, it would, I'm sure, instantly just turn back to melt to ordinary water because the pressure would be let off. Oh. But But the notion that there's super high pressure exotic ice inside of a diamond, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Do you sell diamonds? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I know what kind of sell, though. <laughs> Do you have any musky news for us, Ashtar? <laughs> no, he's been letting his supervillain side out, so I haven't oh. been uh, doing too much there. That's fair. I, I did see an article recently that the big satellite that we kicked out to search for extraterrestrial life oh. has uh, abruptly gone quiet. Huh. Scientists don't know why, but I think we can all agree on why. <laughs> I think they need to send Shatner right away. <laughs> On the big sci- in the big satellite news recently, I saw an article, but I couldn't access it because I was in a, like a low internet zone or something like that. But in China, there, someone is talking about launching a artificial satellite that's going to be brighter than the moon by a factor. Oh, of like right, 10 or so. to, to deliberately reflect the sun's light onto this one city as, an, as a tiny artificial satellite. That's, that's pretty cool. That's really, I find it quite horrible, but <laughs> but it'll be a neat tourist effect. I forget the name of the author. Uh, might have been Asimov, uh, the the man who sold the moon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little short story. Some someone who comes up with an idea for how to paint the surface of the moon with an advertising logo, and then goes to all the companies and says, "Hey, if you don't pay me to do this, Coke is going to do it." <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we haven't put the satellite up there that reflects the sun's energy. There is at least one. I forget exactly which country it is somewhere up in the Nordic forward area um, where they put a bunch of mirrors on a mountain because the town was so deep inside a valley that it only got a couple of hours of sun per day. By bringing the mirror up on the mountain, they like doubled the amount of sunlight they got. So it's not completely unknown. This one is just several miles higher. Yeah. In space. (laughs) Dogs. Also just vaguely related to the, ASR topic. Um, I think a hard OCP had a link to a group of researchers, which is using tiny, tiny drones to work together to accomplish things. It's how this bunch of tiny drones can open a door by working together, and just it, it, it's cute. They, they only have like a five minutes battery span, but but they can coordinate. And at the very end, they mention you know click on the link below to to, to see the form of our eventual doom. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Grey Goose starts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, coming up soon, we will have an article uh, episode on the people and places of ASR and some of the various sub-factions you might encounter there. We've already talked about them at some length today. Uh, so until then, catch you line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Chronicles, both by Sirius Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.